0: Heavenly Father, I, I thank you so much that we can stand before your throne without fear of punishment. We know that you're a holy and just God. And, and the truth that we're going to discuss today, that you must punish sin, is so heavy and weighty. But knowing that Jesus covered all of our past, present, and future sins means that we can come into your throne room like a child into his daddy's office and crawl up on your lap, God. We just are so thankful that we can come to you without fear because of Jesus. Thank you for that. Thank you for the privilege it is to gather this morning. I pray that you'd help us, encourage us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So, last week's question, ah, someone else who's, there's a couple people that are normally here every Sunday that are not here today, throwing me off. Last week's question, I'm going to let us read it, and then I think we can try to do it, because I know most of us didn't sit and try to memorize this this week, but we, I think we can do this one. So let's look at it, idolatry is trusting in created things rather than the creator For our hope and happiness, significance, and security. Hope and happiness, significance, and security. Let's try it with the blanks. All right? Idolatry is trusting in created things rather than the creator. For our hope and happiness, significance, and security. I forgot the last one. Good job. All right. Any thoughts just since we've had that discussion? I know at lunch we... Or at lunch, we ended up having some discussion a little bit. It was just lots of things come from that that you had you just wanted to talk about ask questions no. I'm just, I think I have- Right. Um, you know, like, children could be an idol. You know, anything that took your number one away right. was an idol. And I was really surprised about that. You know, just, it hit me like, wow, you know, yeah, I have some idols that are, I didn't even know were idols. Right. So, yeah. And they don't even have to be things that you could touch. Yeah. yeah. Like, wanting success yeah. in life. That's You can't put your hands on what that is, but that. Can see putting my hope and happiness, significance and security, and being a successful whatever, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it is. It's so pervasive, every area of our life. Okay, for today, let me ask you a couple of questions. Um, Kyle McNew, Kylie McNew, if you know that name, I'm sorry, it was in the newspaper was arrested for stealing almost $2,000 from the delivery place that she worked for in Urbana. What do you think should happen to her? They already did sentence her and a verdict and all of that. But I'm curious, 2000 bucks from the delivery company she worked for. She actually was like the, um, what do you call it when you call in and they like night dispatcher. She was the dispatcher, and she was routing payments to her own accounts. Yeah. But you know, that's not a lot of money. 2,000 bucks in the grand scheme of things. What do you think should happen to her? What would you if you're the judge, what sentencing would you give her? What do you feel is right? It'd be based on her past. Okay, like her track record, you mean? Yeah. Like, what has she done before? Yeah, she had actually had issues with possession of controlled substances. Okay. Yep. That does that did affect it. But doesn't it go by the dollar amount to, like, the sure. class of, sure. um, the felony or misdemeanor? But I'm asking you to go with your guts. <laughs> what would you, what do you think? Like, I'm the judge, and I have no rule book that says what I need to do for punishment. Wes has got his hand up. Yep. Okay. Do you think you'd make her go to prison for it? No. Because she's got to be able to pay off. Right? Interesting, right? But does anybody in this room say, pat her on the back, it's okay, don't do that again? No. I mean, Candy, Candy's you like. That What's that? You haven't done that many bad things.
1: I mean, this is, you
0: know. <laughs> See, I knew there'd be one of that. <laughs> <It's laughs> awesome.
1: you've, you've done a lot of the good things.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Robin Hood. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't think so because. <laughs> OK, let's try the next one. OK, this guy over in Rantoul, Mayel Chapel, was arrested for breaking into someone's home and uh, stealing. So what should happen to him? Wes yeah. No one was there, but the neighbor saw the door was open. He's like, that's weird, and checked a little bit on it and they were coming out. Yes, Wesley, what do you think? Again, I'd probably find them and then give them a sentence of mm, There's nobody was really hurt, like physically hurt. Probably two years. Wow, you're well on your you're you're actually pretty right on they gave him four years prison and and needed to and by the way the previous lady got two years prison plus restitution right i i think Audrey's point about like restitution while you're working because how in the world are you going to pay that back if you're in prison making license plates again though what does your heart tell you should we just say don't do that again no right there should be consequences for their actions right Okay, so here's, here's the question for the younger people in the room. Liam's here, so you can answer this, but I was hoping you wouldn't be here now because I really want these girls to say something for me. So here's my question. Right? Yes. All right, so let me set this question up. Okay, there used to be the show Leave it to Beaver. And when when the kid beaver would get in like something he had done wrong, but needed to figure out how to help, how to get it figured out, he'd go say, I know somebody that has this situation going on and would ask for help. And he's talking about himself. So when I ask this question, you don't have you can just don't say who it is. You can just, like, if it's one of your siblings, you don't need to tell us that, all right? <laughs> have, you, have you ever known someone who did something wrong and got away with it? i got heads nodding up and down for the recording. Can you share any examples that it really bugged you that they got away with it? There's some kids over there looking at each other. <laughs> <laughs> any Wesley... Give them a chance because I I think we can get something out of some of these other people. Tell me a story about somebody who got away with something and it really bugged you. All right, Will's got his hand. So, somebody didn't like supper,
1: right? And so, somebody let somebody who didn't like supper eat bread and butter for supper.
0: (laughs) So,. Okay. No names. <laughs> no names? I know some parents who have five kids, like, and in the beginning were very fastidious about rules and making sure that you eat what's put in front of you. <laughs> and man, we were talking about this yesterday. Like, we're at this point in our life, like, I'm too tired to care. <laughs> if you want peanut butter, fine. And, and but... The others will you you know this person like that that family situation it it how did it make you feel to not be the one to you know to the other person got away with it? Yeah. how did it make you feel you jealous? The jealous? <laughs> For the record now
1: that they're Yes. When somebody
0: doesn't want it, we are all too <laughs> That's the other part. Like, <laughs> because if it's, if it's like Indian food we've made, and if somebody doesn't like it, the rest of us are like, fine, let them have something because I, <laughs> there's only so much there. Yeah. So you felt upset, right? All right, Wes, he's got his hand. Go for it.
1: My friend stole my
0: phone. Stole your phone?
1: And he ran around, kept running around. I'm like, dude, give it back! And he's like, I don't have it. Don't
0: touch me! I don't have it. So, and he got away. And he got away with it.
1: And he never got punished. I'm like,
0: so you've got this. Like, this is wrong. Somebody didn't do get treat get the consequences they should. All right, different question. Have you ever got by with something that didn't get caught? Yes. Do you feel the same way about yourself that you felt about that other person? Everybody's like, no. (laughs) Maybe your conscience started to work on you eventually, right? But you're not thinking, oh, I hope I get punished, the right consequences. None of us feels that way, does it? Why is that? Let's ask the two questions. Why do we feel this sense of... These folks that I described in these crimes and these situations, we know that they should get consequences for doing something wrong. Why do we feel that? Let's tackle that question first. Why do you have this? Have to learn their they have to learn their lesson. Why is that wired in us, though? That feeling, that, that a justice. Why do we have that sense of justice kind of wired into us? It's our it is our conscience. Right? We, well, Romans calls it our conscience in Romans 2. Where did, why is that there then? Law of, Law of God's written on our heart. What God put it there. Think about Genesis 1. How did God make us? Made in the image of God. God stamps on us from the very beginning things like a sense of justice. Our dogs don't have that. Right? Mm -hmm. Well, when
1: somebody steals from them, they do try to, you
0: know. Yeah, but they are not sitting there Mm -hmm. on the dock looking out the lake contemplating the serious injustices over history. Mm -hmm. They're not. We We do. Mm -hmm. We do because we're made in the image of God. And part of God's character is wired into us to think like him. Now, why the second question why, and, and think about the answer to the first question, and then what happens in history why is it we don't feel so bad if we don't get caught? I heard it. It's like Jesus, sin, those are the right answers. We're in Sunday school. <laughs> I heard it over here. We're selfish. We're selfish, and why? From, at what point do we become selfish? <laughs> Genesis three, right? (laughs) Genesis three. So the image of God in us is also broken, right? It's broken. So why do you think our catechism question two weeks ago, Matt, you did what is sin, right? And then last week we did what is idolatry? Why do you think that we had to introduce sin and then idolatry? And now we can talk about justice. Why didn't we have a catechism question first talking about what justice is? And then we get into sin. Because you have to understand why
1: justice is
0: important. Right. And and if we're trying to understand God's mind on it, well, justice is about what is right. If we're going to come up with a really simplistic definition, it's about what is right. Things being done that are right, which is why in the Bible, the word justice is used interchangeably with righteousness, especially in the Old Testament. You'll see justice used and sometimes it's righteousness. And in the Psalms with the poetic, it'll use them like in the same phrase and it's just restating it poetically. So let's look at our, sec- our new question for today. Here's the question. I hope I've teed it up well. <laughs> Will God allow our disobedience and idolatry to go unpunished? And the answer is no. Every sin is against the sovereignty, holiness, and goodness of God. And God is righteously angry with our sins and will punish them in his just judgment, both in this life and the life to come. That is a unpopular statement, (laughs) right? Like... If you went on Facebook today, if you do that kind of thing, and just posted our answer to catechism question, what would your Christian friends and non-Christian friends say about this question? This is open for them. I may be entering hot water here. That's not the God I know. He's a God of love. Hmm. What else might happen? They
1: say, I don't want to be a Christian then.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I I have actually, people very close to me. When I I just point, put this out, they're like, well, then I don't want any part of that God. If that's the way this God is, I don't want any part of him. This is a hard message for us to hear. But (laughs) I, I walked us through those examples begin with before saying this, because in our heart of hearts, we know what that is right. It's a painful ouch that we just know is right. So the question, where do we get this from? I'm going to go with that first instead of asking, what does it mean? Because I think we really get what it means, but I want you to look at Psalm 73. If you want to turn there, I'll have the verses up here, some select verses from there. I could have shown all kinds of passages that, through the Bible from Genesis 3 all the way to the book of Revelation, especially the book of Revelation, to show that that statement is true. God will not let our sins go, un, sins go unpunished, right? He won't. We know that's what Revelation is like, God making all things right. He's coming, and he's the king, and he will win. But part of that winning is a final judgment, right? But Psalm 73 is one that I like because it kind of brings all of it together. So, verse 3 through 5, the psalmist says, For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Now, I ask that question, like, have you ever been upset when somebody gets by with it? The psalmist is right there, isn't he? I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, for they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. Now, for us, that doesn't sound like a positive thing. Back then, that's a sign of comfort and success. And if you were large and in charge, that was a good thing. Amen. (laughs) Right? That's my... (laughs) He keeps on going. They're not in trouble as others are. They're not stricken like the rest of mankind. So I, I ask you, do you feel that way? Have you ever felt that way? I Me, mean, can you? Yeah. Sometimes, Yeah, you know, you, know, you see somebody
1: doing well, but then you know really, like, how they're getting it, or, how, you know, like, they're,
0: what, you know, not good people, or, or they're not, you know, you just, right? how can they get to, when I don't? Yeah. You no, know, I mean, it's, it's, it is in there. It yeah, in there. thank you. Because <laughs> I'm there often. <laughs> I know. Right? So this guy, he wrestled with disillusionment and discouragement when his eyes were on what was going on around him, right? He looked out when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. When I look out and I see what's going on, when I scroll through my feed, when I read the news, I see that, and it, it, it's discouraging to me. But look at verse 16 to 17. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome wearisome task. I get that too. Until I went into the sanctuary of God and then I discerned their end. So what did he do to get a better perspective? He met with God. And he's like, I got to look at God i got to go to where God is. So the psalmist would have thought about the tabernacle. I think he literally went to the tabernacle. We have to go to the presence of God. And in this new covenant age, he's with us, right? But I need to go to God. And that's what he did. And then look at this. He realized in verse 18 through 19, truly you set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors. I mean, he's like, oh, wait, okay, they're going to get what they deserve. Now, what is our temptation, though, even in the moment of realizing that God will punish the wicked in his time and his way? What's our temptation? I can tell you what my temptation is. Yeah. Right. I, I, I like to think about two categories of people <laughs> and I'm not in that bad. Right. And we don't do that, though. We're like, we forget that because he's like, I look to God and I think about he's the just judge. That's what our pride does to us. We somehow think that we deserve better. And the psalmist realized this, too, because look at verse 21 through 22, what he said. Did you do that or I do that? I think I hit it with the wrong button, bud. I did. Welcome to Edgewood Church. <laughs> on the slide, that's what it says. That that's not that making sense on the recording. Give it a second there, Wesley. If you could hit escape and end that show and then start the next one, like just push Todd will help you out. There's, I think this bottom button must flip or something between presentations. Yeah. End it or something. Hmm.
1: that our sin
0: our isn't as bad as someone else's where God
1: classifies all sin. yeah you know we think well we just
0: have a little thing right or think, right. You know, at this, you know, just a little at, but they're really all equal you know someone steals 2000 or someone steals $2 it's, right. it's all real. yeah I, at the risk of sounding very crass mm-hmm. we think our stuff doesn't stink right, mm-hmm. right. here's what he says though about himself. So he looks to God. He sees they're going to get their end. And then he has some self-diagnosis. He says, when my soul was embittered. I love this song because the words really capture my feelings about things at times. When I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you. So he looks at God. He knows they're going to get their end. But Then he's like, God's like, mm, you're in that same camp. Just like. Kevin just said, we are in the same camp. So he he realized his own pride and arrogance in this. Yet, the psalmist also realizes that he's been given grace because these next verses are just like, wait a second. He says, nevertheless, so nevertheless, even though I was an absolute (laughs) in the same camp person, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand, you guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Now, he says, whom have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. That does not sound like the same person who started off the psalm, does it? Or it doesn't sound like the brutish, ignorant person he just described himself. That, that's that's got to be the Spirit of God changing him. Right here in this psalm. What was he looking at at the beginning of the psalm? You remember? Get to the first. He was looking at everyone else. And what was he seeing? Their prosperity. Their prosperity. Yeah. Their success. He was looking horizontally at that, their success, their prosperity. Now, <laughs> what did we learn about idolatry? What is it? Let's say it together. Idolatry is trusting in created things rather than the creator for our hope and happiness, significance and security. How was the psalmist doing that in the beginning of this psalm? He was jealous of their riches, their success. And he was looking for hope and happiness in stuff in this world. And and we do this. We all do this. And then he realized he goes to God, God helps him see, I'm gonna take care of this. I like that he did that first and then does some self-reflection. He's like, God shows him, I'm gonna take I'm going to right these wrongs, but you were not a good person either. And then this is almost realizes. Wait, 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 wait. The real only thing I have—that's actually the best thing there is—is is you, God. You yourself are the one that I need. I don't. If I have nothing else, everything else may fail. But God, you are the strength and portion of my heart forever. So. What's the difference between an unbeliever and the believer? Is it that the one somehow sins and the other doesn't? We see that in this psalm, right? We, we, you come to Christ, it doesn't mean you're going to now be the perfect one. I like think there's this temptation towards that, because our, our, the flesh doesn't go away. No, the difference is one word. starts with an R, ends with a T, repents. That's what he did. The psalmist looks at himself and sees, wait a second, I I can't think that way. That's not going to help at all. I need right thinking. So what is this? this, um, Let's just read the catechism question again, and then I'll just talk a little bit about what it means, and then we can open it up for some questions. I think there's lots of comments we can make about why this matters. So the question is, will God allow our disobedience and idolatry to go unpunished? No, every sin is against the sovereignty, holiness, and goodness of God, against his righteous law. And God is righteously angry with our sins and will punish them in his just judgment, both in this life and in the life to come. So I was going to just go to the what does it mean but, and, and kind of break down a couple of things, but I think you could do that. Do that with me. Like this this answer, if you're going to kind of summarize that first part, what is this saying about every sin? Or mm-hmm. <laughs> <We're> doomed. <laughs> Wesley? Every sin is against, uh, it's against God. It is. It's ultimately against God. And, you know, it's, David sins against Bathsheba, Um, against God with his sin with Bathsheba and having her husband murdered, he says, against you and you only have I sinned. And that always sounds weird to me because I know he sinned this way against people, but ultimately it goes this way and it has consequences that flow out that way, right? Yeah, every sin is against God. What else would you say in this sentence? Like, How would you kind of explain this to someone else? Anything else in there? Like, what does that mean? I feel like this one kind of ties in
1: the last one about idolatry. In that, when you, you know, when you're looking for what was it, your hope and your significance and security and happiness, that's usually why I sin. Because I'm looking for those things in a created thing without recognizing that God is the font of, of what happens to me and what when it happens to me and why it happens to me. Right. And, you know, when, when there's injustice or somebody sins against me, I'm not recognizing his holy hand saying, that's a good thing for you, even though you don't like, you know, all right. of it. It feels like when you take last week and put it to this week, it's almost like you have the master codes for why you do everything you do.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. How would you, if somebody, that's a $3 word, Sovereignty. <laughs> How would you explain that to somebody? If we, It says sin is against the sovereignty of God. What, what is the sovereignty of God? What does that mean? I like what Matt said. It means he's king. That's about the simplest way to put it. It means he is king over everything. What can the king do? Maybe let me put it this way. What can the king not do? Nothing. The king has ultimate authority. That's what sovereignty means. He can make any decision he wants to make. We talk about nations being sovereign. That means they have nothing can tell them, like have authority against them to say what they can or cannot do. Now that doesn't talk about their actions. It just means that the state of being sovereign means you get to make your own decisions and nobody can tell you what to do. That's what sovereign means. Now, your God, our God, is a sovereign God, but it's not just sovereignty. And I like, there's all kinds of characteristics of God, but this brings in three together that I think you never want to (laughs) separate. Because if he's just a sovereign God, mm, Kevin's like, "Uh." (laughs) he could be a mean God, right? Tell me about the holiness. How would you summarize holiness? That's like... I got this many books on that too. <laughs> so it's a huge topic. But like maybe what would you say holiness is? I
1: mean, me beginning
0: to the end,
1: everything. Yeah. Yep.
0: Everything he does is is right. And Matt said he's set apart. Like that holiness is this idea of being different. Set apart. And when we talk about the holiness of God, it's always like in contrast to his creation. He's creator, we're creatures. He's creator, that's a thing that he made. So that automatically, the, the theologians talk about what's called the creator creature distinction. And that kind of points us to holiness is that difference between he's other than us, we are made, he's maker. And that puts me in a place where I can, okay, I'll just listen to you because you're that. But then this other characteristic, I don't think we need a definition. This gives us hope that he does what's good always. Always. It's, he's good. You want a God who's sovereign and good, holy and good. So every sin's against his righteous law. Um, Talk about that God is righteously angry. Why doesn't it just say He's angry against our sins? For a good reason. What's that? It's like for good reason. For a good reason. As opposed to our kind of anger, right? Like, I mean, right? Because we're made in the image of God, it always, I think so often there's aspects of our anger that are fed from. A righteous sense, but it just goes, <laughs> falls apart, right? And there's some things we should be righteously angry about. Um, any questions about this last phrase? I had questions. What questions do you have about the In his just judgment, both in this life and in the life to come. When will we suffer? When will we suffer? Right. We will be. We know that. Yes. So, let, let's... Why does it say in this life and in the life to come? <clears throat> what? There's consequences. Is that what you're about to say? Yeah. yeah. Right. Whether they're immediate or it takes time for life to come to fruition. And then ultimately you're going to die and you're going to die boy, you are so brutal. (laughs) That is is exactly right, though. I mean, people just don't want to hear this. What were you going to say, Matt?
1: Very similar to what he was going to say. I mean, reality is you, you live life the wrong way. A lot of times you can face those consequences here. But what the psalmist is talking about is sometimes it seems like people do completely the wrong thing, and it seems like at least for time to get away with it and that's where that and the life to come is so important
0: right right there are some people that it I think they get all the way through mm-hmm. this present life and they don't get not, whether like Hitler yeah you know, when this says conscious you know we all have conscious of God in us mm-hmm. or did they you know he had had that for a while but maybe they right.
1: hardened it where he didn't have it yeah and I don't know
0: and if he really did kill himself, that makes me even more mad. He got the quick, easy out, but the life to come, right? Now, here's the question for us. Does God punish Christians? Does God punish children of his, his children? In what sense, Alicia? Maybe take the easy. What's the What about the last part? Will he punish you in the life to come?
1: Yes.
0: A Christian? Well, I mean, yeah, I'm going
1: to be judged and stand before him for the things that I did or did not do.
0: So Okay. Okay. Yes. I see what you're saying. Um, I don't know if I would fairly, I would say that that's punishment, punishment. for the Christian at that judgment. Yeah. Um. Let's put that aside a little bit, because like, for instance, 2 Corinthians 5.10, and, and in Romans, I think it's 14 or 13, it says that we will all stand before the the judge and right answer. And we have to look at what what will that look like for a Christian? Will there be punishment for the Christian at the last judgment that says, you don't get to come into heaven. You don't get to be with Jesus. I'm hoping you'll all say no. If you're going to think yes, let's talk afterwards. And I'm not saying that as a joke. I mean, seriously, let's work through that. Because there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That means there is no condemnation. <laughs> you are all of your punishment. Final punishment has already been taken care of. Where? On the cross, right? On the cross. Now, the both in this life part, right? How many people? Chuck Colson was the hatchet man for Nixon. He did some really bad stuff. And he got arrested, but around that same time of everything coming out at Watergate, he becomes a Christian. He was in Bible studies right around that time and comes to the Lord. He still had to go to prison. He still had to bear the consequences. But God used that. And he started prison fellowship, prison ministries fellowship. That, that you know what I'm talking about. And, and then ministries came out of that, but there's still consequences for his life. And there's consequences for us in this life. But ultimate consequences are dealt with for the Christian on the cross. So you either get punished, all your punishment put on Jesus... Or you bear it at the end. That's really what it comes down to. So this, let me ask you then, let's just open this up for the why does this question matter? And it feels like you can, like Audrey was saying, these two last, the question about sin and then the question about idolatry and this all tie together. And you're going to see they're leading up to. There's one more question. Um, I can't remember what that next question is, but the question after that is then, who is the Redeemer? And then we actually will do a review time. And we're going to break into this. It's actually, if you look in the, the app, it's divided into three sections. And now this next session is going to be about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it, it's awesome. But this is all leading up to we need a Savior because I'm a mess. That's ultimately, right, why it matters most. Um, I had on your thing, like, how does our culture think about this? Um, what, how do we in our hearts think about this? Well, why does this matter? What, what things come to you? Like, why do I need to know this and be able to explain it? Nah.
1: I think one reason why it matters is I think a lot of people in our culture love the grandpa God picture of like, we're going to get there and he's going to go, oh, it's okay. And, right. you know But that mentality breaks down really quick when you start talking to people about actual maybe crimes committed against them. Yeah. Like this person who did this horrible thing or what about that, that starts to fall apart because if you had a judge – that was like, well, you know why I'm gonna let that judge would be disbarred immediately. Like, you can't have a judge that's just letting people off the hook, right? But then that that's why it puts us back into that predicament um, of needing that justice, right? Right. Yeah.
0: But I I think what you say that we we know of some judges that like wait wait the judge in this life still has to answer to the judge, mm-hmm. right? What else does this matter, this question? It shows that we need a
1: savior. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah. We Yeah. Wait. What about as it relates to your friends? You're explaining these things. How would you explain this on Facebook? Is, like, if you laid it out like that, I have some friends that love to use Facebook in a good way. um it's hard. <laughs> but it, it, this guy does it. This guy does it really well because he like knows how not to take the bait on posts and comments and he uses Facebook almost strictly for evangelism. How would you, maybe don't think Facebook, like how would you start to explain this to somebody? Do you think, I guess, first of all, do you think you can explain it without them getting upset? Do you think you could explain this without? Someone getting upset. And I, I say that in a certain way uh, with some it depends on their mindset really. If okay. they're like open like I, I need help. Right? If somebody help me. If they have an like, open mindset, maybe. Yeah. But if they're
1: like I'm cool with how I am, then probably not. I don't know,
0: it's, <laughs> change, I'm probably not gonna change wise probably yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. Like I think if God's already working on a person In their heart, because I think we talk about when you come to Christ. There's at least there's a point when you get a new heart. That'll be one of our other catechism questions. It's called new birth, right? Born again. It's called regeneration in Peter. That's like the Spirit comes in. There's so many things that happen all at once, but prior to that happening, I think is what I call conversion. It's sometimes a long process. Maybe decades where God is like pulling them. And in his time, he's pulling them. And he knows when it'll be. And sometimes I think somebody is primed to be able to listen to this. Right? right? right. But sometimes they're just, they're not there. And you explain this as gently as um, you not being as offensive in it. And they're still going to be offended. They don't want to hear it, right? Because our hearts already, we talked about this. The other questions, right? We're born with a sin nature. We're born with a fist in the air. It's it's always like they come out with their fist up. None of us is greater
1: than our master. They hated him.
0: Yes. They're
1: going to hate us
0: too. Right. Now, I always say, do your very best to not be a jerk at explaining this, right? I mean, you can... Some of these truths, some people learn right, learn as a young believer, and they just are so like, they're like a caged lion, and, and like that is not what God wants us to be, right? Any other final comments here about why this question matters? Some, some people really don't know. I there's a lot. Of, I mean, I think I've probably seen the same Facebook thing. Yeah. That, that's God. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I really have no clue that this is even... That yes. Jesus Jesus he died on the cross. That is an interesting statement, Kevin, because we are... I mean, us adults have grown up in an America that people have heard that Jesus died on the cross. To we yeah. live in a new generation that people don't know that. Yeah. When I was in Louisville, um, our church was similar in size to this... But it was kind of an urban church. And so there was lots of rough kids that were, would come in. And my job on Wednesday nights was simply to be like the dean. If you got in trouble in class, they'd come out to me. And I loved it because I'm at church and I, we're going to go there. We're going to go to the gospel. And I could not believe some of the answers. When I asked kids, like, do you know who Jesus is? Or do you know who even, like we talked about Adam and Eve. So literally, one kid talked about He saw something on a Simpsons show. Mm -hmm. That is, we are in a new day where you can't assume that people even know this, right? It's so it's such a strange. So we can't assume that people know about Jesus, really, why he came. So yeah, this is so important because this stuff, people, we can't assume that they know. Their hearts know ultimately, but they couldn't explain it, right? There, no. you can be. Uh,
1: yes. Got to be sneaky.
0: You have to basically get them to open up, like if ask a permission. Ask,
1: if they ask you something, you can answer any question. Yep. So, but
0: that's almost how it is. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Ultimately, it comes down to your relationship with that person. Yeah. and your influence in their life. Right. They recognize that you have, you read that. I recognize that I'm broken, mm-hmm. meet grace, mm-hmm. and all these things, then they'll come when they're at that point in their life where they're yeah. like, hey, look, I'm contemplating, this is where I'm at, and then you can open that discussion. But, right. And that's why Peter says, be ready to give an answer. Yeah. Yeah. Right.
1: And then I think when they are talking to somebody about that, instead of saying you, say we, we. We. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. exactly.
0: Absolutely. This is good conversation. Let me close us in prayer and we can begin our service. Father, I just thank you so much for your grace. This truth is a heavy truth because we know that we deserved and do deserve the punishment because you are a holy, righteous God and good. And it's good for you to even... Meet out justice but god we thank you that jesus bore the wrath we deserved on the cross conquered death so that he's the victor and we can live in freedom knowing there is therefore now no condemnation for us who are in christ jesus help us now as we um, go into Our service, a time of singing and giving and praying to you and hearing from you, would you help our hearts to be ready to receive from you in Jesus' name. Amen.